Welcome to the fourth episode of the Local Lingua Podcast. My name is Vicente Lopez, a man with a face, and this is Christopher Collins, and I'm a man with a microphone. Listen, one of the things that uh, we have neglected to do is bring up uh, the first topic um, from episode number three. Mm-hmm. We got... We got a lot of comments about how we looked at the situation at the red flag situation from just mm-hmm. one side and, um, you know, our bad. Uh, yeah, but our I, f- I feel like we definitely corrected it because we posted the question to listeners uh, over on the Insta uh, and we asked uh, the ladies, what are some red flags that you look for? Uh, when you are dating, looking to date, or whether you're in a relationship. Uh, we got some incredible, incredible responses. Um, some of them from our wives. Uh, yes. And that was fantastic. No, we absolutely loved it. So um, no, it was great input, right, to get it from the other side. And again, like just getting valid responses, getting input from, you know, not, not necessarily just us, because yes, we, we like to talk, we like to delve into it, but engaging yeah. with you, the audience, and we're definitely going to have more questions later on. So keep an eye out at Local Lingua Pod on Instagram. And listen, let's just be completely honest. The responses that the women provided um, were just a lot better. They were just a lot better than what bit, you came up a with. A bit more insightful, for sure. Yeah. Definitely go back and listen to episode three. On that note, listen to episodes one through 3.5 uh, while you're at it over on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. But remember, plugs, plugs, plugs. No SoundCloud because uh, we done with right. it. We, we changed <laughs> our phone number. We, we've gone from leaving uh, SoundCloud on red to mm-hmm. just we, we changed the number. Yeah, they're going to get a they're going to get a non-working number tone when uh, when they try to call. Well, we um, got to move on. Bigger and better things. You got to up. go for it. Read, uh, read off the ones that uh, that you received on your end, and uh, we can kind of dive into them if you want to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I think we decided not to mention like names exactly, but just all, to go into yeah. the all names are anonymous. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, the first one that we got was from my lovely wife. Uh, she was saying that one big thing to watch out for is when the significant other or the other person you're talking to, right, is different around their friends than Ooh. they are around you. That's some shady, shady stuff. What are the kids saying now? That, that's sus. Among us, <laughs> no. It is. It's everywhere. It it's, is. It's everywhere. Okay. Yes. Uh, I think that that's really that's a good thing to keep out an eye out for because i don't know if you've ever been in that situation right it's just that they're inauthentic maybe they put on a a facade for you but with their friends maybe they're more laid back i don't know but just you know seeing someone as disingenuous off the bat that that's something to worry about absolutely absolutely now i don't think that was meant to be confused by hey you know you're in front of you know the other person's parents and you do have to kind of act oh yeah i guess a little a little more mature you know you don't want to have those conversations that you have with you know your significant other um yeah in front of their parents some of those conversations need to be kept behind closed doors through text whatever um but no i think that's i think that's awesome i'll bounce one back to you um this is a term that i actually had to look up i did not i I had heard of the term i didn't Mm -hmm. know what it meant 
exactly um but one of the responses that we got was when they gaslight you and they make Ooh. you believe that you are crazy yeah i i thought that that was an incredibly well put answer and and i loved it and i think that literally everyone has been in that situation where someone has gaslit them uh so right. yeah if you're in that situation uh, you you have those feelings for a reason and you try to talk it out with them and they try to turn things around on you that's a super super destructive situation and you need to get out that's super toxic uh yeah you, you got to get out you got to run run for them hills and get out uh, get out never look by the back. way gaslighting uh if you're not familiar with it it's when they uh i guess poke at certain things that just make you even more upset like it the goal isn't necessarily to get it to a better understanding it's it's like poking at things that you will get a i guess negative reaction to right and so i mean there's a difference between poking fun like you know tiny jokes or like oh you know i don't know like lovey-dovey stuff that's funny that's meant to be poking fun at either yourself or them mm -hmm. but gaslighting is a whole different thing it just it's it's putting the blame on you for having valid feelings so yeah definitely, definitely something to look out for, for sure. uh to add on to that it's, it's somewhat similar but if you are, you know, in a relationship or whatever, but if you're isolated from friends and family, like you are just kept apart from the conversation, not included, whatever. Yeah, that is something to look out for. That that's that that astounds me uh, that people are, are are doing that. That's just you're not property. You're a person. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, if you can't be around this person with your friends and family or if they are trying to keep you from your loved ones that you knew before them. Uh, oh, that's, that's the part I didn't even think about, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. Like they're basically like grooming you and that that mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. not happening. Mm -mm. Not that great. ain't happening. Mm -mm. Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. Um, I had uh, another really interesting one that I really loved because, you know, I, I worked in the service industry for a while. Um, if they're rude to waiters, um, oh man, yeah, that one needs to be highlighted because if they're not kind to the people, um, you know, that serve you, that literally wait on you, um, uh, mm. If they can't be nice in those in those like smaller situations then that person yeah. probably shitty let's be completely honest let's be completely exactly real. let's use the it, correct term here uh <laughs> they shitty and it shows you the, the kind of i guess reactions they would have as a person who has power over someone else whether it's directly or indirectly you yeah. know what i mean um and, and we're not saying that you have to be like uh perfectly amicable to every waiter that you come across i mean yeah. it's fine it's a transaction but still in that you know conversation piece if they treat you well and then they turn to the waiter and then they're treating him like shit dude like no i can't stand that man you don't mess with the people who carry prepare your food like you just you yeah. don't do that carry comma or prepare your food like you just do not do that because it's a vulnerable situation for everyone especially God. your food or whatever's being served to you you're right? just you're like, out in the open you got a target on your back like i just recently watched the movie waiting you've seen that ryan reynolds justin long andy Milanakis. I've heard of ryan no reynolds. <laughs> they completely terrorize this woman uh, in in the restaurant that they're working at because she is just acting uh, like an ass. And it's just, yeah. it shows you the power that 
uh, you know, the, the waiting staff has that the cooks have over you. And I don't not trying to strike fear into anyone because having worked in the service industry for a while, these people yeah. are genuinely nice, which on that note, I don't want to completely transition into it. The best, uh, the, the friendliest staff at any restaurant I've ever been to has to be any Taco Bell I've ever gone to. Dude, oh, I don't know what it is about the staff at a Taco Bell, but like they seem like they love their jobs. Maybe I don't know for what are you reasons I don't understand. Dude, I've <laughs> never had a negative experience at a Taco Bell. The food is different, uh huh. But yeah, the absolutely. staff, like I've always like I don't know. Maybe it's just the one here where I live, but like I feel attacked. What are you, what are dude, you talking about? Okay. They're okay. super super friendly, man. Uh, don't give me that Chick Fil A stuff. That's all, dude. No 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 no. The it staff at my local Chick Fil A. The the staff at my local Chick Fil A is so passive aggressive. It's 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 horrible. It's disgusting. <laughs> no, I get it. Like they're they are oppressed into saying, uh, "What is it? My pleasure, right?" Like that is their yeah. <laughs> their social dynamic. But like, okay. Uh, I used to live in Laredo and the, yeah. the Laredo Taco Bell. Yeah. I would never go to eat there because once, I mean, uh, like Ultimo Taco here in like in the Valley, Brownsville, Texas, go there. It's incredible. I got to <laughs> talk about that it a is. little bit. Yeah. But oh my gosh, like the, they just did not want to be there for one. They didn't like their jobs. They just wouldn't serve the right things. And again, I get it. Like you're working at a fast food restaurant, but still like my friends, they would order certain tacos and then they just wouldn't get meat in some of them. Like, mm. I don't know. Maybe it's just the location. Maybe yours was just a, a blessed. <laughs> maybe bell. it is. Well, during the ice storm, referring back to the previous episode, um, yeah. during the ice storm, Taco Bell was the only restaurant, one of the only restaurants open around us. Like you knew <laughs> that the ice storm got serious when uh, when Whataburger closed its doors. Yeah, Taco yeah, yeah. Bell was still open. I went to Taco Bell, uh, got food for my wife and I at like, I don't know, like 11 or something like that. Had to wait like 30 minutes in line. Mm -hmm. Totally fucking worth it. And you could tell that the staff there knew they were doing um a good deed for the community in that right. moment. Plus, I'm pretty sure they were happy that they were allowed to work and get some cash in their pockets because a lot yeah, of people were not else. working. Yeah, a lot of people were not working during that time. Um, I'm sorry you had such a shitty experience at your Taco Bell, but um, I I've never maybe it's you as a person, like maybe that's oh, what it is. No, 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 no. On no. that I just note, be caught dead in a Taco Bell, but continue. On that note, um, I got a lot of feedback about you uh running your mouth in the last episode. There were a lot of people that did not like um, I'm just kidding. It was just like one me? person okay. that you and I both know. Uh, <laughs> but I was told that you interrupt me too much, Pookie. And um, mm. it hurt. It hurt. Mm. Well, listen, I could never replace you. I've decided I'm going to be nice to you. I could never replace you. Um, Thank you. Appreciate it. Joaquin, I, you're on hold. I shot him. I shot him down. I had to. I had to. I had to. <laughs> uh, transitioning men. You and I had um, have had a big... Um, a big event transpire in the past two weeks. Uh, we Absolutely. we done got vaccinated. Yeah, it's incredible. And it's happening. Um, it's just a sign of things getting better. Uh, I know a lot. there's a lot of worry about like uh, efficacy of the vaccines, like how much of a percentage is it worth? How is it going to be rolled out to the general populace? And this is not to say like um, 
I guess just to make others feel bad for not getting it, like it's when you're available, when you have, you know, the, the time or the resources to actually get one. Yeah. But it's just a sign of things getting better. <laughs> it's just, it's a really good feeling despite the soreness, right? But still, yeah, it's a good feeling to know that that is for the better of the future. Absolutely. And uh, we, we definitely don't want to get too political uh, with this. We're not yeah. trying to push an agenda or anything of the sort. Uh, just detailing you, you know, it was our decision. Uh, to get uh, vaccinated. Our schools did not require us uh, to get vaccinated, uh, but right. perfectly optional. You know, our, our choice and, and, and our decision. And I, I think, um, I think it's uh, well, I'm going to pause right here because I've had a lot of really uh, emotional uh, conversations. I guess you could describe them as almost like philosophical conversations with uh, people that I have um, not really had really big conversations with in the past few years. Uh, mm -hmm. And they they reached out to me, and um, I don't know about you. This is the situation that I'm in. Uh, as I've grown older, my circle of friends has grown smaller. Um, yes. In in a sense that my relationships with the people that are in this smaller circle now are a lot uh, stronger. Like I feel like I have a stronger bond, almost like a family bond with the people in the smaller circle. Um, right. I'm wondering like your take before I go off. Cause my, my thoughts are already pre-planned. I've been thinking about this for a while is oh, how sure, do yeah. you think COVID like, cause you mentioned this, right. Getting vaccinated or just maybe a glimmer of hope in this, in this pandemic is on the horizon. How do you think relationships are going to be affected? Uh, just like, like regular friendships. Like, do you think that there's going to be a lasting effect because of COVID? I know that you've mm -hmm. mentioned human resi uh, resiliency in the past, yeah. but what do you think the effect is, or I guess like the short-term effect is on, um, on relationships because of COVID? Oh man. Uh, it's, it's something that, you know, I've been thinking about my wife and I have been thinking about in, in terms of like our friendships in general. Uh, a lot of my friends I have either in different places in, in Laredo, San Antonio. So it's, it was already pre-pandemic, like a, a matter of reaching out, um, you know, typically either playing games, you know, messaging online, or through Insta, but I think that we're going to see like the long-term effects of this for a while in the mm -hmm. sense of a defining of relationships yeah. based on what kind of friends are not necessarily really there, right? Because you can't blame someone for not talking to you during a pandemic when there's so much to figure out there as it is, but just, you know, seeing the types of friends that I guess relate to your preferred friendship if that makes sense like you'll 100%. you'll know yeah you'll know the kind of people that you can just pick up a conversation after not talking to them for you know months on end and it's like nothing happened and then it'll definitely define the different friendships where you know they almost have that resentment towards you for not reaching out after such a long time and again there's nothing wrong with not talking to someone or talking to them too much it's just like how they are comfortable with it, but this is going to yeah. further cement that and define that for a lot of people. And I, <laughs> I don't know. There's so much to unpack with that question. I'm, I'm super curious. What, what was your, I guess, insight to that? Yeah. Um, well, because it had been um, a little while since I had spoken to, uh, to some of these friends, um, I don't want them. I know they're probably listening right now. I didn't, 
I don't want them to think that they're on that outer circle of friends. But like you touched on, they're those friends where we don't need to talk all the time. Like we had mm -hmm. so we we went through so much together in such a span of time. I don't want to say short period of time, but we went through so yeah. much together in that span of time to where that experience strengthened that bond. Yes. And now, you know, a year has passed, a year and a half has passed, and uh, we can pick up a conversation like it's uh, like it's nothing. I, I, I was having, you know, very, very similar thoughts because I think right now is going to be that kind of dipping your toes in the water uh, when it comes to social interaction. You know, there are people that have taken... Yes every precaution possible and i've heard those people like poked fun at because mm -hmm. they've like really locked themselves indoors and they're using hand sanitizer all the time and i saw i went to the store today yeah. and i saw a guy wearing gloves still and yeah you which know, is you can't blame a person for taking a precaution that was advised by you know the cdc or or you can't you can't knock a person for their perception of a CDC guideline. Right. Or even just trying to have, you know, protection for themselves, you know, whether it's not for other people, it's like, you know, taking things into their own hands. Exactly. You know, we've, we've seen just the absolute worst year in human history in a, in a very long time. Um, yeah. Occur what seemed like in a week. Uh you know, for 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 some people to to watch the uh, the cases rise from 130, I think they were like at the beginning of spring break to well oh, over man. a thousand. Yeah. Like that's going to trigger some people into this panic mode of you know what my life needs to change right now, uh, and I need to you know uh, I need to take every precaution for myself, for my family, and 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 what have you. Um, Stemming off of that, uh, I think that one of the topics, one of the conversations that I had uh, dealt with just mental health in the workplace. I think that that should be looked at differently if it's not going to already. You know, we work for, yeah. you know, an incredible school district where uh, there are um, an abundance of resources for students and for, for staff as well. Um, a lot of our counselors on campus have made themselves available for staff uh, because this is a time where working with people is particularly hard because everyone is stressed. Yeah, it's like that that barrier or like an added layer of not being able to interact with someone genuinely, right? Like, I mean, it is conversations it is you know zooming with students say for example but it's just it's not the same yeah. uh there's the delay in time there's the feeling of awkwardness and like how do i respond what do i say so i'm you know curious but i think like a morbid curiosity about the communication effects this is going to have for a while yeah. i mean like there's the jokes right like oh it's going to be awkward talking to people in person but just stemming from that not not just for you know us but even for kids like they've had a year and a half of not being in person for some of them and that's just <laughs> how do you reconcile a year lost of communication and yeah the mental health part as well just thinking about us, you know, 
again, this is not to lament on the, how this has affected other jobs, but just in terms of our own experience, having to look at a screen <laughs> for six hours, yeah. uh, at least, you know, just for work and then transitioning to home, whether your hobbies are like for me, like gaming on a screen, like it's just like screen, 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 not just like your eyesight, but just in general, how does I never it affect thought about you that. as a person? Yeah. I, I overheard another teacher saying like, um, it's almost like they're having a seance, like they're, they're just calling out into the void and they get some responses thrown back at them. But uh, I don't know, what are the ramifications of that? And hopefully they're none, right? Hopefully that, or at the very least minimal. But as few as possible, there's, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's got to be some lasting effects of this that I just cannot fathom. And I'm, again, hoping that conversations spring up in person makes things better as safely as possible right but yeah it's it's horrifyingly um intriguing if Definitely. i were to put it I, I love the way you word that i love the way you word that so i don't want to bring in our guest with that taste still on our tongues you know like mm, right right well you know what <laughs> uh i don't want to listen to this interview anymore because the way that these uh co-hosts set it up was uh you know complete ass um so some parting thoughts um and and this was this was uh advice to the per the to the people that reached out to me as well as advice i ended up receiving as well so it was very reciprocal in that oh, in that manner yeah. was uh protect your mental you know yes protect yourself take care of you uh however you need to in the healthiest way that you can uh, I know that a lot of people are seeking out therapy, either professionally or through friends, rely on that circle that you have uh, more than ever. And it is okay for those relationships, like, like Vicente said, to change uh, because this experience, the people that you speak to routinely, even if it's just every month, every six months, yeah, uh, those people are going to be the people that are going to stay with you the rest of your lives uh, because of this just god awful experience um, that we've been that we've been living through. But you can take steps to protect yourself by indulging in the things you love, video games, music, listening to the local lingua podcast, what have you. Uh, and you got to take care of, uh, of you and just take some time today. Take 15 minutes for yourself to take a walk, get some sunlight. God, the power of oh, sunlight. Like this is going to sound like a, like the weirdest tangent I've made thus far. Uh, but just walking outside with my family just yeah. completely changes my day and makes my day so much better just being outside with my son, with my wife, just, you know, I don't know. Uh, it spread, is insane. Yeah. Spread some advice, man. What do you got? <laughs> Not only just like vitamin D, but like, uh, I think it was a conversation my wife and I, we noticed that we just like me in particular, cause I tan, she burns, but I was just the palest I've been <laughs> in a long time. Um, but yeah, take, take some time for yourself in whatever method that's, brings up of course you know don't succumb to you know negative cycles or yeah. you know negative uh what's what's the thing when you do something repeatedly you're not meaning to not addiction that's not what i'm thinking about but like 
I'm blanking on the moment. Oh God. English teacher. This is we're the, the worst of us. We're the worst English teachers ever. That's why we <laughs> okay. started a podcast. There we go. There we go. I'll, I'll turn in career path. But um, either way, um, of course, investing in yourself and knowing that this isn't going to last forever. Thankfully, yeah. like humans have, have gone past much more than just this. And they definitely will continue to, especially with you being a part of that. You know, you are central, you are important and impactful in whatever it is that you are doing. Even if this feels like one big pause, you know, eventually we are going to move past it. So keep that in mind. Keep looking forward. And, you know, don't <laughs> again, don't don't get into your negative cycles. It's OK to, to forgive yourself and then just move past that. Absolutely. I don't think yeah. Joaquin could have worded it that way. I'm I just you. I can't get rid of you like you you literally <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're a dog man that like shits in the bed and like dog I'm man. gonna be I'm gonna be angry <laughs> at you um did I <laughs> have to have dog half man is that what we're talking about <laughs> that's not it was dog comma man you're an English teacher you're supposed to understand these things let's no space. <laughs> dive in to today's interview because we have uh we have a huge guest uh, i guess that we're, we were both very excited about a guest that i've known for seven years now and uh today's guest is just absolutely brilliant chris de leon mm -hmm. is a person who God, lives life like that's the only way that i can describe <laughs> uh chris he um the stories you're about to hear in uh in these episodes are um are tremendous they're they're incredible 100 true and just remarkable in every sense of the word you don't think that things happen to local individuals but he is proof that they definitely do and it's happening all the time this interview is the reason why uh we created the local lingual podcast to you know continue to shine the light on individuals who are just pushing culture forward so with that in mind ladies and gentlemen welcome to the local lingual podcast chris thrash heavy de leon Hey, what's going on, guys? Uh, really happy to be on here. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to go ahead and uh, share my many stories of uh, cool mayhem and awesomeness. <laughs> Super stoked Looking on it, man. Looking forward to it. Super stoked. Let's diving right into it. Very first question. You were born and raised here in the Valley. Growing up, what were your beliefs about the Valley? What did you, what did you think about growing up here? I know that you know when Vicente and I were growing up here, there was the stigma of you were either born in the valley or you moved to the valley only to move out what was your experience um well pretty much like ever since i was younger and you know raised up in here i always felt like i was we were on like our own little planet and like anything outside of the valley was kind of like unreachable uh just because like uh you know most of my family has always just been located here in the valley and a lot of us never really traveled and if we did the furthest i i myself as a as a child the furthest we ever went was like san antonio yeah. so yeah. to me at a very young age up until i was maybe like in my mid-20s that was when i finally kind of like had the idea of like venturing outward uh, but before that, yeah, like I was very like just valley based, like planet valley, you know, and um, yeah, it was so rare for any of my uh, family members to to actually be outside of the valley. So I could definitely feel that once you were 
in the valley like you that's it like you're not really going anywhere of course like i'm just speaking for myself that's how it felt and uh just like you said like you're either here born here or you move here and you stay here so um, yeah to be fair texas is a huge state like you got to drive they measure distance in hours here so it's like oh you know that it's only like five hours away it's like ridiculous if you live in any other state or like you know uh, north texas west texas like it's things are closer as opposed to where we're at right now it's it's a bit more of a trek to get there yeah definitely like traveling outside of the valley is is an adventure in itself just because we're so far away from everything and like we're like as southern as can get in texas so um driving was something that was always like a at least for me like was kind of like a like a bummer because you know i'm I'm not that crazy about being on the road for a long time especially like the stretch where there's not a whole lot to look at uh but i definitely do like uh flying when it comes to uh travel yeah Definitely, definitely, definitely. One thing you hit on, you know, the Valley is its own planet because you go to Austin, you go to Houston, you go to Corpus. Like I feel personally not being from Texas, you know, when you're in a Texas city, but then you get to the Valley and it's just got this whole different vibe about it. I feel like everything is kind of slowed down, but in a good way, it's just like really chill. It's awesome. Yeah. I love the Valley. I always feel like this is our Island of like, you know, um, just our special place in Texas. Like I, I love the Valley. I have no intentions of moving out. I do love traveling though. Um, but as far as like where my, you know, home is where the heart is, it's definitely here in uh, nine, five, six. So one of the things that you and I have, have discussed before is local music. What was your first exposure to the local scene uh, named bands? If, if you remember them, tell us, you know, uh, so when it came to the, the local scene, I started off kind of young while, uh, while I was in high school. Uh, the only thing is, is that I was one of the only ones amongst my circle of friends that actually wanted to go to these shows. So when I did go, I was always kind of like an outcast. In a sense. At least I felt that way because I was kind of like alone. Um, but it was cool, you know, uh, not that I was antisocial. I was just kind of like, OK, I don't know this person. I don't know that person maybe eventually like I'll keep running into them and we'll become friends or something that didn't really happen right away though. But, but still like, um, Mm -hmm. uh, I would go to a lot of like the, the metal shows at Trenton point, um, you know, metal bands like Scarabus back in the day. Like I remember they were one of the first bands I actually saw and, and, uh, Pantheon. I know that those guys are still playing. Uh, I believe they're from Brownsville. I'm not too sure. Uh, but to, to me, especially Pantheon, like they were, I thought they were like, uh, like a super professional band and you know I didn't know that they were local so to me I was like man that's really awesome that we have like some kick-ass bands that are playing here and from Definitely. there like you know it just ventured out like I started going to some of the punk shows as well uh, there at Trenton Point and uh, just trying to get like a feel for for I guess everyone that was within that scene uh, like I said I was still kind of like a like fresh face so I wasn't like a memorable person or anything like that anytime I went but there was a lot of other memorable faces whenever I'd go and be like oh I remember that person that person and that band that band so um, yeah I, I started off pretty young in high school but it was kind of like when uh, I'd say my early 20s is when that's when it really was like I, I guess you could say I became a part of the scene uh-huh. and um uh but yeah like i've been in in, in different bands before um one of the first ones that really i guess got my feet wet was a band called armistice uh what that eventually turned into the the name uh 
dare call it treason just because I think it was an armistice ban like from Texas also and and uh, we wanted to change our name and it, it wasn't like the the biggest band I've ever been in, in, in or anything like that but uh it was definitely one that was I felt like was a little bit more uh professional even though we were still you know amateurs you know so right um but yeah that's when it started off uh, it was kind of like a hardcore band I want to say we were one of the first like hardcore bands in the valley as far sure. as like you know that movement of what became like you know like with the the hardcore movement uh we were still kind of like fresh and um uh, i know our drummer his name was Pavi. he he was really into like the hardcore scene before i even knew what hardcore was showing yeah. me all these bands like hate breed uh bands i never even heard of like hamarsha i remember one that was one and uh-huh. uh martyr martyr ad like all these bands that were like what are these what are these you know it was so weird to to see music coming out of somewhere that i'd never even like heard of and you uh, talk about bands that were in the, the valley or, or no, just no, like no. texas bands in general this is just like you know just uh these bands were from like other states uh but mm-hmm. it was just it was just crazy like the amount of uh of i guess like music this dude had within that particular genre like it was like he was like an encyclopedia of like unknown bands at the time. So, um, but yeah, when it came to like the Valley around that time, like I said, when I was like, maybe like 22 back in like Oh six or so four, I can't remember. Uh, that's when I started playing a band called walk the graves. And that's when, uh, you know, we had a little bit more success locally. You know, we had a, a good crowd and a good little following as well. And band local bands like, uh, DTD were, were playing, um, the requested uh you had lay in ruins as well lay in ruins yeah these were pretty much like the bands that would always play the same night um as we did arm to intervene was a was another metal band down here that i really absolutely loved and i really wish they were still together because to me like at least for me like they're one of my favorites to watch and it was really awesome to to see that type of music being played uh by such young musicians as well so um definitely during that era there was a lot of cool bands that were popping in and out and playing at vfw like that was the, probably some of the funnest times i ever had really you're mentioning these bands and like i'm i'm getting goosebumps because like yeah. i my band entered the scene in like 2011 and like mm-hmm. what you all had set up was just like it was fucking enormous like you, the requested. I remember every time we played a show with the requested, I mean, their fans, uh, you know, friends, whoever it was, like uh, they would just, they would go all out for every single band. And like my band was super shitty. Like we were the band that like opened up and we played every single show. Like we were so fucking annoying, uh, but we were just so thirsty to, to get yeah. into, you know, the scene and VTHC and everything um can you talk a little bit more about the um i guess the 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 unity of the scene and you know uh we would see like vthc everywhere can you kind of explain what that was yeah so so uh, around that time like i said like it was a pretty knit tight like uh community with musically uh even with the fan like the i guess just like the the fans of each band that were there they were just as big as uh being a part of it as the bands were uh it was kind of crazy how it kind of snowballed like it's one of those things where it's hard to even explain like how it happened it just happened word of mouth like people started like you know you'd see like let's say i don't know 25 people at a show the next time around it was 35 and then you know 45 and so on and so forth uh to the point where like 
the VFW was packed. I still have like video footage of when it was like, it was packed. Like I, mm-hmm. I can't even yeah. count how many people were there. And the beauty of it at the time, it was different types of uh, people. Like, you know, you had your metal heads and like, like I said, hardcore, the hardcore scene wasn't necessarily like as known back then, but they were, it was still kind of like starting off. So you had all these different people under the same roof. Eventually what happened was though, like, uh, they kind of started, I guess, breaking apart in my opinion, just because like metal, metal heads and hardcore, the hardcore scene, they started kind of like, not like each other, I guess you could say, you know, in a sense, just because like a lot of the hardcore dancing movement was kind of like interfering with like traditional mosh and like it was causing like a lot of animosity between the two. I saw like some video of this place VFW, which still got questions about like what is that as a venue but before we get to that like i saw people that were like kicking and and spinning and then there's like a mosh that's trying to happen in the same place and so i i gotta ask like both of you because i feel like both of you are way more involved in in metal as a scene right what is pit etiquette what does it mean for someone to be in a pit in the first place how do you approach it do you just walk up handshake someone hi i'm in the pit now (laughs) what's what's the process for it well I guess I'll, I'll tap into it kind of quickly about it. Like it's, it's one of those things where it's, it's a little different between the two, like I said. So in, in traditional metal, you have mosh pits that are essentially just a bunch of people like, you know, within the circle, the, the pit, I guess you could say pushing each other and rather yeah. hard too. Uh, but I mean, you don't want, they don't necessarily want to kill anyone. It's just right. like a lot of, a lot of testosterone is building up all this, like really aggressive music is playing and you just want to, push the shit out of somebody you know what i mean <laughs> and, super uh, true, man. and what happens is like it becomes like almost like a standoff but not in a violent way but it's just like all right let's let's start knocking each other back and forth and i've seen it happen plenty of times where someone gets like just shoved you know just shoved straight across the floor and everybody kind of like just like all together just like here you go and picks them up and like you're all right you're all right and like, yeah oh, yeah shit. yeah so i mean and then chris i mean you can go ahead and tap in on, on i i I don't have anything to add to that. I'll share with you my first experience at a local show. It was at the incubator. And I think it had to have been one of the last shows that happened at the incubator. Cause I know they shut that shit down. Cause they would yeah. pack that place like wall to wall. And it was like your, uh, your typical hardcore show where you had all the bands that we had mentioned before. I think lay in ruins was playing. I walked in, you know, bright eyed and bushy tailed like, Oh, this is so cool. I got kicked in the face upon walking in. I got kicked in the face. I fell backwards. A friend of mine grabbed me and he's like, Hey, welcome to a local show. And I was like, this is the shit. Like, this is where I want to be. Like, it's super cool. Cause even if you get hit, like it's not like you typically, you don't take it personally or anything like yeah. that. It's, it's a part of the culture. It's a part of going to a local show. Right. And I have probably one of the most metal stories that I can possibly ever have. Uh, yeah, and oh, please do. Talk about it. So uh, this is probably the worst injury I've ever had in a mosh pit. And um, it taught me a lesson to not try and like be in a mosh pit if I'm like one of the smallest dudes in there. So anyway, oh, no. and it's hilarious. It's this is all 100% true and it's it, this is what happened. So I was a senior in high school um and it was uh it was literally the night before my senior prom. Like the night, like in in the next 14 hours I was going to be at 
my senior prom. So I went to Trenton Point in Edinburgh and I went, I went to go watch this band called Condemned. Uh, I'm sure there's like a billion bands named Condemned at the moment, right? But at, at that time, it was a band from Houston and they were a death metal, uh, death metal band. Really awesome band, man. And uh, when I was there, uh, like I said, the music was, was very aggressive sounding. It got you pumped. And I was 18 uh, and either 17 or 18. I can't remember. Um, but uh, what happened was I got into it. I saw a mosh pit. Like I said, I'm not a very big person, uh, but I went in there and I'm just there like a little dude, like pushing people. And uh, I remember I pushed one dude to the left of me. And as I was turning to the right, this other dude had gotten shoved. And as my face was turning to the right, he just happened to like hit the back of his head just smashed right directly into my face. And I, I've never had my bell rung before. And I feel like that bell was ringing because I was kind of like out of it, like, whoa. And I was kind of seeing like spots and I've never seen it in my life. So that's a real thing. Right. I'm like, oh, so I got hit directly in the face and the music's still playing. And I remember kind of like in slow motion, I was just like, Ugh, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, it was kind of dark at the time. So it was like, no trend point was kind of dark and they had like just a couple stage lights. And I remember wiping my face and I just saw like what looked like chocolate. I'm like, yeah, that's not chocolate, man. That's definitely blood. So I I go walk into uh, the restroom and as I'm walking, it kind of felt like a first person perspective. Like if I had a camera. Oh yeah. I, that's exactly how it felt like as I was walking and and maybe that was like the concussion talking or something right but I'm not too sure and anyway uh, I just remember seeing people passing me and they're like Oof. like I was like oh man this is not good so yeah. I get to the restroom and I, I look at the mirror and I just have like this hole like a small hole like almost like a divot like in my nose and it's just like bleeding and I'm like oh my god and it was super sore and so like of course I'm there with like the those really rough sandpapery hand towels that they have yeah. like, in the restrooms. I'm trying to like dab my face so it'll stop. And so I'm like, all right, I need to get some fresh air. So I go outside and as I'm out there, this one friend of mine who also went to high school with me, she was there. And the first thing out of her mouth, I wasn't even thinking about it. She goes, Chris, tomorrow's prom. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> and so I'm thinking like, oh, man, like this is going to suck. This is going to be like a Marsha Brady moment, probably. <laughs> and so I go home and ironically, like I only had like a bag of frozen peas to put on my face. So there I am, like, you know, the cliche, like bag of frozen peas on my face. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of late. I didn't want to wake up my parents to tell them what happened, but went ahead and slept it off. And the next morning. Oh my goodness. I remember going to the restroom and my nose just looked like a sausage. Like just, it was so fat and my eyes, like just near my eyes, it was like green and purple. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm going to go to prom like this. So I showed my whole family. Everyone was like, what happened? I'm like, I went to a show. I got hit. I mean, there's nothing else to explain really. I just need to figure out how to you know resolve this. And um, so my sister, what she did was she took me to the La Plaza mall because a friend of hers worked at a uh, Mac makeup. And I remember she cut me in front of like, I don't know, like five or six girls that were in their prom dresses. And I remember they were like getting annoyed and I'm just like, Hey, I got to get this taken care of. So I sat down, she's putting makeup on me. And uh, yeah, I essentially had to have makeup put on my face just to kind of hide it. Even though like didn't help much. I mean, it was better than nothing. Right. So I got in my tux, went to go pick up my date. I remember her parents answered and was like, uh, what happened to you? And I was like, I got in a, I got hit in the face at a show yesterday. So 
uh went to prom i remember i was kind of i wasn't super embarrassed i was more like oh man like this kind of sucks but i mean I, I can't do anything about it and i remember all my friends were like damn what happened to you i'm like oh it was a mosh pit they're like badass so i kind of like built up my my confidence like <laughs> yeah, i got hit who cares right so Battle yeah, scars. yeah yeah exactly i had to take prom. i had to take prom pictures with a busted nose and yeah that was probably one of my most memorable injuries ever and probably one of my last because after that like even though i i go to a lot of shows i was like yeah i'm staying away from any humongous mosh pit because i don't want to get hit in the face and practically break my nose again so hell no oh uh, it's a yeah. risk yeah both of y'all stories blow my like mosh pit if you want to call it that out of the, out of the water <laughs> the, the only like i guess most hardcore show i've been to was a breaking benjamin show in laredo uh-huh. and like that i think is the level of of hardcore that it was but i did get pushed into like they, they had a mosh and there was like this one short dude that kept trying to pull me in i don't know what was his deal i think he was legitimately a child like i mean i was late high school but he looked like sixth grade or something and yeah. he had his dad with him his dad was just there in like uh what is it sweater vest glasses just kind of like watching the show just like nods of approval and the kid kept trying to pull me in and eventually we both got in and it was <laughs> like everyone else was taller than us so like if we jumped which we did we wouldn't land for several seconds so we're just getting like shoved around so definitely no like you know grave injuries but <laughs> hey, definitely but, something to remember but, but it's a memory for sure man and yes i actually have another funny story like this story is freaking hilarious uh, it didn't happen to me, but it was, it happened to uh, a client of mine and we were both at the same show just coincidentally. Um, and what happened was uh, I saw him there at this show, Sounds of the Underground in Corpus back in like 2007 or so. Um, and uh, I saw him, I said, hi, that was it, right? I think like the following like week or so, like I ended up working on him. So he told me, he's like, dude, some crazy shit happened at the show. And he's like, it's, 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 unbelievably weird and hilarious I'm like, what happened so he said that maybe like halfway during the show he was crowd surfing upon crowd oh, surfing no. he en- he ends up losing his right shoe so the entire show rest of the show and that, that was like an all-day event too like i think it started like at 12 p.m and in- ended like at maybe like 10 or so so we were there for like a long time right so he he lost his shoe midday maybe like let's say 4 p.m right the entire time he's there like without one shoe his right shoe right <laughs> So whatever, the whole time he's just there trying to enjoy the show with only one shoe. And then the show finishes. So everyone's clearing out and all that stuff. So he decides maybe this is a good time to go look for my shoe, right? So he goes looking for his shoe. He ends up finding the exact same brand, the exact same style, exact same size, but it wasn't a right shoe. It was another left shoe. So he was like, how the hell does this happen? So he lost yeah. his right shoe and found the exact same shoe that he already had. So somebody out there also lost their shoe and found, you know, vice versa. Like, yeah, I have no idea how that happened. But he's <laughs> like, yeah, man, I ended up with two left left shoes. And that was the weirdest thing ever. So I thought that was fucking hilarious that he was missing one shoe and found this exact same one like it was so random and weird i feel like at at shows like there's always like a shoe being thrown into the crowd or a trash can like especially (laughs) at the vfw that trash can got abused so much man yeah it's it's always finding its way into the pit always yeah i saw i saw a lot of stuff fly there at vfw i saw like a piece of like the, the the ceiling come down as well 
Um, There's a video that I have where I was playing a show with Dying Embrace back in the day. Like I filled in for the vocals. And Phil, uh, Phil Acevedo, who has also uh, had this side project called A Beautiful Lotus, mm-hmm. he was a bass player for Dying Embrace. And I remember like the crowd was really loving the last song and then people were just like everywhere. And I remember Phil just kind of threw his bass up in the air and like a chunk of the ceiling fell down and God, people, no. were, people were throwing like the insulation around. I'm like, oh, get that shit away. <laughs> but, but yeah, it was, it was pretty nuts. Well, just for chronological sake, right? Uh, Trenton Point, I know you mentioned that, and then uh, VFW, like when did those scenes happen? Was it like Trenton Point and then VFW, or just like, yeah, just so I can yeah, get Trent, a sense of... yeah, I guess you could say VFW was the new Trenton Point in, in a sense, uh, because everyone just like Trenton Point, like everyone knew that's where to go to uh, to check out some shows, right? And eventually, what happened was that place ended up, I think, uh, selling to somebody else, so they didn't have the same owner. And uh, the new owners didn't want it to be like a like a local venue like that anymore. I'm not too sure exactly what it is right now, um, but the building's still there and everything. But after that was said and done, like I think that it was like a good gap between two. So uh, it's not like it's not like Trenton Point closed and the next day was VFW. There was like a good stretch yeah. of I think like a, a couple years or a few years maybe where uh, where VFW became the new spot to play. And uh, yeah, it was just about every weekend that, that shows were happening there at the VFW. Um, and yeah, unfortunately, that spot's not there anymore either. But it had a really good run, in my opinion. It's a it's a fucking furniture store now. Yeah, like, I drive yeah. past it and I just get sad. Like, yeah, instead of seeing people, you know, playing shows, now you can go in there and buy, buy like a recliner. <laughs> crazy man, it's crazy. Yeah, and I can imagine like now. I guess just the scene is looking for a change on onto the next thing, right? I guess like in the same way that VFW changed in the same way that Trend Point changed. Do you know of any venues, I guess before COVID, obviously, right? Of any venues that were housing like more of the local hardcore scene that you had seen? Man, you know, I'm not too sure exactly because I kind of dipped out of the music scene after a while. So I wasn't too sure exactly where the new venues were. Uh, I know downtown downtown McAllen, um, like the flying walrus walrus, excuse me, was, uh, hosting shows at Yedberia, right. Yeah. As well. Um, yeah. That's where that power trip show happened, man. Right. Yeah. And I did go to that one. I went to that yeah. show and the, that was the first time. And one of the only times I went there, uh, and it was a pretty nice spot in my opinion, like it was outdoors. So I've always mm-hmm. been a fan of playing shows outside just cause you know, you get a nice breeze and whatnot, um, yeah. get a little bit of fresh air while you get to play. So seeing Power Trip there was pretty awesome. Um, in my opinion, it was a very nice setup. They had like a stage and everything in there. So I'm not too sure exactly um, if that would be a place that can start shows up again. I'm pretty sure. Like, I think it's still around. Um, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm definitely not sure exactly like how, how it's going business wise over there. But um, eventually I'd like to play a show there as well, just because I, I liked it when I went there to see Power Trip. I know that they were doing the whole... Um... I don't know if they did this at Trenton Point, but I know VFW would do when they had like a really stacked bill, they would do front and side, right? So they had the two bands playing, right. or one band sets up while the other band yeah. plays, and vice versa. Um, yeah, but Rio was doing that as well, except a band was playing outside and then while the a, a band inside got set up. And it actually seemed like a really cool idea. Yeah. And it kind of it reminded me of the VFW. I think I saw that two times two times happened there um whenever i went 
I, I went to like a few shows there uh, and it, it seemed like it has a lot of potential. And I know uh, Cine as well, but I think last I heard like Cine was kind of like, was kind of going under, but I know that, you know, that's a, that's a place where, where a lot of bands would want to play just because of the, the professional, like, yeah, and everything. Cine El Rey is a, a really nice place too. And I, I, back then in Walk the Graves, we played a show there and it was really cool. Um, and unfortunately, yeah, like COVID took a chunk out of uh, a lot of businesses and that including Cine El Rey. Uh, I know yeah. there's been a lot of, uh, you know, save Cine El Rey type of uh, fundraisers that were, had been going on through this past year. And it's unfortunate too, because it's such a, a, a really awesome historical place. And the fact that they kept it running for so long too, it'd be a shame if like they, they couldn't keep it going. So hopefully, um, hopefully it still stays alive and then, maybe there might be some sort of resurgence with shows where it could, that could be like a new home, you know, just kind of like yeah. in, in a sense, help out keeping that place alive as well as like uh, becoming like a home for a local scene. So. Yeah, absolutely. Can you go and, uh, to your favorite show that you played? Who was the band that you were playing with and what made it your favorite show? Man. First um, one that comes to mind. I know it's a deep question and like you're on the spot, but like, yeah, don't yeah, think, yeah. Don't think. It's it's VFW, man, because I spent so much of my my music time there. As, and as far as who we played with, it was always just our friends, man. And going back to like how the scene was, like everyone was was pretty tight with each other. So, um, you know, uh, uh, man, playing. I remember shows that uh, where we played with uh, Dine Embrace. We played with uh, Armistice. Excuse me, Armistice. Arms Intervene uh dtd it was always kind of like the same type of bands that were building it up till we started seeing more bands come out like lay in ruins a uh, single breath there, there was this other band i can't remember the name of them but um oh my god it was so long ago but it was a three-piece band they were kind of like a metalcore band and i cannot remember to say the life say my life but uh yeah we started seeing more and more and uh it's hard to say which was my favorite show because i can't on the spot really recall but it was during that time at the vfw that i really enjoyed and um yeah it was just fun man like it, it was really fucking cool and um it was always cool to see more more heads pop up and all that so uh it'll i'll have to say as a whole the vfw era yeah that was probably like my my favorite time for sure and, and i got a question if you were to so sorry if you were to take like a snapshot of one of those shows like what's something that just i guess you would say to describe that kind of a moment because there's definitely like i guess a vibe or a way in which you know that the crowd the bands like everything how would you describe that moment in time for you okay so that's that's a good question actually like it we felt like i think i could speak for everyone that played there when it was a packed house we felt like rock stars man like you know and and it somebody from the outside can burst our bubble and be like, Oh, please. Like, it's just a local <laughs> show, but no, you have to understand that stuff like that to, to, to young musicians that were just, it is what it is that we were local. We we're local artists, all of us there. Right. To have that type of respect where people go to your show and watch it and then go off to it too. Like they're, they're just viewers. Like, you know, they, they, they don't have to be there, but they want to be there because they enjoy the music that's being played and they they are going off to it you know like they're like you know what we may not be in bands but i'm gonna fucking tear shit up in the crowd and like 
just go off to this music and in return we're we're watching this and we're like man this is like everyone was just feeding off of like a giant energy force man and and yeah. uh like i said even though it wasn't anything major to bands that have played sold out arenas and stuff we're talking about a building that was probably only like capable of holding like i don't know like legally maybe like 50 people at the most <laughs> and, and, you had, and you had way more than that and none of us were thinking about safety violations or hazards or anything like that vfw definitely wasn't thinking that Hell and no. we we literally felt like we were playing like a humongous sold out crowd and uh i think you know like i said uh to just to have that type of feeling at least once in your life is something that you can't really forget and that's what kind of wants you to do more and more and like and i think that's good though because if any band ever you know got to play in front of like so many people like it makes you want to progress even more and more and don't get me wrong like we've played shows where we played in front of like five people and that's always like the worst right but it's kind of like paying your dues everyone's done it you know you're not always going to have like the best reaction or crowd but when you get past those not so great shows into the amazing shows it's like well worth it so um that's probably like the best and deepest way I can describe it really, because I'm not going to forget any of those shows at all, just because um, it was always great to, to see everyone just enjoy themselves. Yeah, Definitely. absolutely. I'll never forget. And I know we've talked about this before. Um, your, your band opening your band being one of the 20 that opened up for the devil wears Prada when they played. At oh West yeah. Yeah. Race park. And I just got to say, for the listeners, uh, we were we were the crowd was sardined in for yeah. the band The Devil Wears Prada. For some reason, the promoter was like, "Hey, let's put twenty local bands in." Uh, it was literally every band I guess that wanted to play had the opportunity to play. You guys went on though, and I remember my friend looked at me and he's like, "Hey, these guys actually kick ass though." And you guys were you were dressed up in name the character again, the, from Street Cody, Fighter Cody from Street Fighter Alpha, Street Fighter oh, Alpha Three, whatever shit. it was, and, and uh, I just yeah yeah it was, it was just funny and i can't remember what oliver was i think I can't, was he darth vader so i can't remember uh but we dressed up uh very cheaply dressed up i remember i just got like gray sweatpants and a gray sweatshirt and i literally just spray painted blue lines across it i had this horrible wig that i didn't end up wearing because it was stupid after all um but yeah like there was some people that got it like the majority didn't but you know I, I'm, I'm big into video games and i'm big into to making cheap costumes on the spot so um but yeah i remember that was a really that was really cool to be playing on a stage like that and uh, even though we were just a local band it was it was great that we all had the opportunity to uh to be a part of that so yeah it was awesome you transitioned from that point uh, video games. Uh, Chris and I know, oh, Christopher, right? Uh, yeah. But if you could go into detail about the ridiculous opportunities that you've been given and that you were a part of in terms of video game music, uh, I know in particular, well, I know it started with conversations with Nick Gordon, right? Right. Say, oh, okay. So you want to uh, delve into that? Yeah. So it's, it's, I'll, I'll delve into it in terms of like when I stopped playing music in the, in the music scene. So, so just to kind of like make this story a little bit more exciting and, and a little bit like more unbelievable in a sense. For so, sure. so going back to when I was playing music, um, I've been playing music ever since I was like a teenager. And like I said, um, from like the age of 18 being the youngest of when I was in a band 
to I think like 26, I can't remember how, how long, um, 26, 27 around there, uh, maybe even 28. Like that's when I stopped. I'd say 27. Yeah. I stopped playing shows. You know, I was in walk the graves. I went ahead and I told the guys, I was like, Hey, I think, um, I think I'm good right now. Reason being, uh, we, we weren't doing a whole lot of new stuff. Life was just taking over really. Uh, our drummer was going to yeah. have a child. Our bass player was moving out of town and I was kind of just ready to just let go. Uh, to me, the shows weren't as crazy cool anymore. So I was just, you know, just getting burnt out. So I went ahead and I, I, uh, told the dudes, I'm like, Hey, I'm going to go ahead and uh, step back. Uh, eventually the guys, they got our friend Luis to take over for a bit. Uh, but anyway, so reason being I, I stopped playing was because my new interest was in fighting games, competitive fighting games. Uh, and what happened was I've always been into video games. Like ever since I was a kid, it's always been a favorite thing of mine to do, especially fighting games. And I remember one time I got invited to go hang out with a couple friends of mine. They were like, hey, we're going to go play Street Fighter 4 with, uh, with our friend Leo if you want to go. And automatically, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to kick some ass. Like, hell yeah, let's go. And so as I went, I was tripping out this whole time because this friend of ours, Leo, you know, at the time I didn't know Leo as well as I do now, but he was whooping our ass like back and forth. And everyone was really casual about it. Like it was like normal, right, for him to be beating us. And, yeah. uh, and in my head, I'm like, man, like, what the hell? Like, this is weird. Like, this doesn't seem like I should be losing this bad. And I didn't understand why. So I started asking questions. I was like, hey, man, what is it that you're doing that you're that you're just whooping us, man? Like, it's weird. And he's just like, oh, well, there's, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot that has to go into to fighting games, you know. And then that's when he started telling me about this, uh, just like frame data recovery startup all this stuff just all at once and i'm just like what you know and and so you know for everyone listening uh that's gonna be listening to this uh there's a difference between checkers and chess right obviously that's what it comes down to when it comes to casual play to competitive play uh it becomes a completely different like game when you when you when you kind of learn about all these things because to to put it in a simple term like like if you throw like a really heavy punch in real life and you miss you're like wide open for, for punishment is what it's known as. Right. So at the time, casually, I didn't even think of anything like that. So I'm over here, like trying to throw all these like special moves, like, Oh, I'm going to hit him with this. Bashing. Yeah. And, and it's missing. And he's just like whooping the shit out of me because of it. And so from there, it kind of opened my eyes like, Oh, okay. Yeah. It makes sense. So I started like, kind of like uh, getting in real deep about it, like wanting to know, like, all of this stuff about fighting games. And I was like watching all these YouTube uh, tutorials. I was reading up on all this stuff, just trying to become as like pro as possible. And I went through like a, you know, the, the, the gauntlet of different games at the time. Cause, uh, cause I, I've been doing this like for such a long time, like maybe about 10 years or, or so. And within these 10 years, I've been playing different games that would come out. Uh, you know, I was playing street fighter four and then mortal Kombat nine came out. Uh, games like Injustice, Street Fighter Cross Tekken, like all these games that were popping up, like I was I was learning them. And different fighting games are kind of like different fighting styles. You know, you got like karate, you got kung fu, you got boxing. Like you know, it's all yeah. it's all the same in essence, but they're different. Like these mechanics in each game are going to be different, even though the fundamentals are there. So whatever. Like I said, I was doing this for a really long time, and then uh, when 2015, oh excuse me, 2013 hit, uh, they announced the Xbox One. And uh, they, the, one of the launch titles was uh, Killer Instinct. Ever since I was a kid, I've loved that game. 
Like I absolutely love that game ever since I was a child. So good. So yeah, good. I was a huge the fan. music, like, everything. Yeah, it was always it was always the big three for me. It was Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, and Killer Instinct. When I was a kid, I was always buying strategy guides, just kind of reading up on the character lore, all this stuff, right? I was just like a huge nerd for fighting games. There'd be times where like during junior high projects, I'd like use like Killer Instinct as like the topic, like even though they didn't know, like I was, I was using characters for like writing, like, you know, essay projects, even like drama projects and stuff like that. It was always dealing with Killer Instinct. It was hilarious, right? So anyway, um, going back to when it got released in 2013, I was already kind of like a seasoned player. So like I already knew like a lot, like, I guess you could say I was like a, like almost a black belt, I guess you could say in terms of like how I knew how to play. Um, so, and one of my favorite games, like I said, was Killer Instinct. So I have all this to, to just go forward with this game in particular. So from there, 2013, I was, I was traveling to tournaments and stuff, competing and all that. Uh, you know, I'd go to like Houston, I'd go to uh, Florida, uh, I go to uh, Vegas, like anytime, like there was tournaments that I can go to, uh, I'd always take the chance and opportunity to go that to go to this. Well, what you talk about like tournaments, like, I'm so sorry. Are you talking about tournaments like Evo? I know you yeah. mentioned Las Vegas. Yeah, I, I would go to Evo. Uh, oh, I, I was definitely shit. like a big Evo player. And I, I'll tap into those tournament scenes in a bit. But uh, gotcha, gotcha. yeah, like Evo, uh, Combo Breaker in Chicago, uh, CEO in Florida, like just all these cool tournaments, man. And anyway. So, um, I'm saying all this just so that that y'all know that like this is how much I love fighting games, right? Oh yeah, well, absolutely. So, Killer Instinct, what it was was it was like a season based game, meaning that like one season when it first came out, they had eight characters, and what they planned on doing within the next following year or so, they were going to add like a few more, and they were going to do them like in increments of seasons. So, season two gets announced, and everyone's all excited, man. They're like, oh man, more more characters, more content, and going back to how you were talking about like the the music well each each individual character has their own theme song and uh that's what killer instinct's always been known for the majority of the fighting games as well like street fighter right but killer instinct is probably the best uh, in my opinion soundtrack based game and uh even back then like when it came out in 94 everyone just knew like it came with a cd when you bought it for super nintendo and so like it was known as killer cuts so everybody had that cd if you bought yes, the game yes and me being a kid that didn't have many CDs, I would always just be playing that CD, right? So anyway, going back to, to 2015, they, they start announcing that they're doing season two and they're going to start releasing new characters. Well, Mick Gordon, who's a you know famous video game composer, he's award-winning and everything, like very respectful, respected. Incredible. Uh, yeah, just a, just a, just a, a god in the, in, the, in the video game scene for, for soundtracks and uh, scores and all that. Well, he had posted on social media that he was looking for a metal vocalist, a metal vocalist that that was going to do uh, that could do vocals for an upcoming character track. And going back to how we were talking about how, like, we feel like the valley is so like its own thing and everything else is kind of like unreachable and there's no way stuff like that can happen for people. You know, you, you automatically have that mentality where you feel like, oh, well, he's going to be looking for someone. He's probably going to get somebody from like California or some shit. Right. So, yeah, a friend of mine uh, named Fernie Salinas, he's like one of my best friends I've known since I was like 15. He was the one that was kind of pushing me to do it. He's like, dude, like you're 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 into metal. You, you can sing metal. You love video games and you love this game in particular. Like, why are you not submitting work? And of course, I was thinking all like, 
early valley mentality like ah, dude, he's not gonna, he's not gonna pick me man it's not gonna be me and so he's like nah man just do it and i remember it took me like about an hour to kind of be like all right i guess all right so let me let me check it out and i wasn't very social media active so it's not like i was like checking up on like who was posting what like what to uh you know what they were submitting and i went ahead and i checked out the the comments that you know under the post and people were saying stuff and i'm not knocking anybody for liking these bands but uh he he would people were saying like oh do you want stuff like uh like disturbed like kind of like metallica like uh breaking benjamin or what what did you say earlier Um, (laughs) bands like that right and like i said i'm not knocking those bands right they made it and all kind of commercial though yeah yeah and i was and that kind of gave me the confidence in a sense where i was like that's not what he's looking for because i remember he said something about like a death metal voice almost Mm -hmm. and um and I was like, you know what? I'm and I, I'm not knocking anyone's work, but I was listening to the different tracks that people were leaving comments with, like their YouTube links. And I was like, I don't think this is what he wants. And so I went ahead and I was like, you know what? All right, screw it. Like I'll go ahead and and leave some of my walk the grave stuff. So I remember I left a pretty like short but elaborate comment saying like, hey Mick, um, you know this is my band here, or this was my band. You know I, I haven't done vocals in a while, but I still do them. Uh, and uh, I'm very, I'm a huge fan of, of the game. So um, hopefully you like this. I can't remember exactly what I said, right? So I went yeah. ahead and I left the comment with my link and I didn't think much of it, man. But the next day I remember waking up and I kind of like was kicking myself in the ass. Like, man, I should have been like more professional. I probably would have done, I could have gotten like a better response. Like I, that's because I didn't even know if I was going to get a response, right? So I was like, man, oh, well, I tried, right? So I'm at work. And I remember I was just there like working on a client and all of a sudden I get a notification on my phone and it's from Mick Gordon. And it said, and I won't forget this because it's burned in my brain. Like it said, rad stuff, man, shoot me a message. And I was like, what the hell? (laughs) So I, I was like, wait a minute. Like, let me see the other comments. Like maybe he's being nice to everyone. Like, Hey, yeah, really good. You know, send me a message. Like, yeah, you're good. Send me a message. Nope. I was the only person out of the entire post that he responded to saying, send me a message. And I was like, oh, shit, like this is really happening. And I guess. Right. So I was tripping out. And so I went ahead and I shot him a message and I was like, hey, Mick, uh, really happy to, to hear that you like my stuff. Like if you're having any sort of tryouts, like I'd really love a shot at this. Like you have no idea how how big of a fan I am. And, uh, you know, he was basically quick to reply saying like hey you know awesome thank you for for sending your your, showing your stuff it was great and he basically cut right to the chase he's like we're kind of like on a a tight schedule so we need something kind of quick he's like do you have access to a a recording studio in your area and the whole time like holy shit so i uh (laughs) i call i call our 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 local uh sound engineer uh uh charlie bella you know, everyone, a lot of people know him in the scene because he used to be in December Drive as, as a drummer. Uh, and then he became, uh, you know, he, he, he got into music by, by having a, his own studio and recording a lot of bands down here. And so him and I have always been pretty tight with each other. So I called him up and I'm like, Charlie, I don't know how true this is. Like, I still don't even know if this is a joke, but uh, I might possibly be able to be in a video game that I absolutely love and compete in and on a soundtrack for a character in particular. And he's kind of like, uh, yeah, man. Yeah. Like I'll, I'll help you out, man. Like, you know, just let him know that, that I'll, I'll go ahead and record you and this and that. I'm like, okay. 
So I go back to Mick and I'm like, hey, uh, Mick, this is my friend Charlie Bella's uh, website. Like, it's completely professional. Uh, it's not going to be like a backyard recording or anything like that. Like, if you need something like high quality, like he's the guy that's going to help me do it. And so he was like, awesome, awesome. He's like, are you familiar with the game? And I was like, bro, like, of course. Man. <laughs> oh, my Please. God. Yeah. I was like, you have no idea. Like, you know, I'm going back how I said, like, I loved it ever since I was a kid. I, I a lot of uh, a lot of my childhood basically revolved around this game. So I was like, yes, I absolutely love this game ever since I was a kid. And even to this day, I still I compete in it like I travel and everything. And I, I've been working really hard uh, for my name to be as one of a, a top player in this game. So, yes, like I, I'm very familiar with it. And he's like, awesome, man. Perfect. And he's like, OK, well, let me let me get your email so I can shoot you an NDA. And I remember thinking like, OK, I'm going to probably have to send this NDA to uh, Charlie because I don't know what that is. I think it's like an audio file or something. I had no <laughs> idea what an NDA was. Yeah. To me, I was like, oh, it's an MP3 or, uh, or something, MP4. So I called Charlie real quick. I was like, hey, Charlie, man, he wants to send me this NDA. Like, I'm assuming it's an audio file. Do I send it to you or something? And I remember Charlie was like, dude, that's a contract. He's like, that's a non-disclosure agreement. I was like, holy shit. And I'm like, <laughs> so real. Yeah, I was like, okay, like it makes sense now, NDA, right? So, so whatever. So I, I send Mick my email. Uh, he sends me the NDA. I honestly didn't even read it like all the way through. I was just like, man, I'll sign it. I don't care, man. You can steal my soul for this. I don't care, right? <laughs> so I signed it, sent it back to him. And so Mick was uh, like, awesome, man. He's like, uh, do you have time to Skype? I'm like, I sure do, man. So now I'm Skyping with this freaking legend. Uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm yeah. nervous as hell because I'm just like, man, like, what if he's like uptight and like, look, you better get this right or we're going to come after you and sue you. You know, I, I didn't know what was going to happen. Right. I was scared. And so as soon as like, you know, we're connecting, he's, you know, uh, mixed Australian. Right. So he, he introduces himself like real quick in his Australian accent, which I'm not going to do because I'll butcher. Right. But uh, <laughs> he's uh, he's, he's like, oh, hey, like, how's it going, Chris? I'm like, hey, what's going on, Nick? And he's like, yeah, you know, he's, he's small talk, really. Like he was. uh just asking me stuff like any the way anyone would about, you know, just someone like, Oh, you know, how's it going? And you know, so you're from Texas, yada, yada. Right. Stuff like that. Right. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, man. He's like, Oh yeah. I've been to Texas once or twice. Like I really love the barbecue. I'm like, yeah. So, so you know, it's a small talk. Right. So from there we got into the nitty gritty, started talking about what was going to be going down. And uh, essentially what it was, was the character that, that I ended up doing uh, a soundtrack for it's, it can be, I guess for two characters, one being Omen, who was a brand new character that they introduced to the KI world. Uh, yeah. And so Omen is kind of like this like possessor or like some sort of entity that can take over someone's like body, I guess you could say, and turn them bad. Uh, and that's essentially what he was like. He turned one of the main characters, Jago, into yes. uh, Shadow Jago, which is which is like the bad representation, right, of good. Um so with that being said, like, since Omen was kind of like this host to, to turn a good guy into a bad guy, my job was to take the good guy theme and turn it into a bad guy sounding theme, oh, which, sick. which was great because uh, it wasn't anything that I had to really like learn like from scratch because I was already familiar with the original theme song of Jago. Um, the only thing that was kind of like threw me off right away, though, was when Mick was like, are you familiar with uh, the Jago theme? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. He's like, all right, that's what you're going to be singing in your style. And I was like, perfect. I was like, only one problem. What are you saying? Like, that sounds like a completely different language. And it was, right? Uh, but, yeah. but it was a mock language because Mick was explaining to me that 
that his uh they didn't have access to a, a tibetan translator so what he did was he just kind of like made up words like phonetically to go with uh with the rhythm of the music so really cool right and so my job was just to mimic what he was singing and, and just make it sound like scary like like metal right so it was super easy like it you know in theory it was going to be easy it was just going to be kind of silly too at the same time making up yeah. like these words on the spot and i asked him i was like well can you write them down for me and he was like you know what he's like just whatever you think you hear just say it like it's like whatever like <laughs> it doesn't have to be anything in particular so if you think i'm saying something just do it who cares i'm like all right cool and you know and i remember he was kind of like all right so what do you uh what, what would you like to get paid for this job? And I'm like, man, I'll do this for free. Like, I really don't care. <laughs> Absolutely, like, you know, like yeah. I'll do it for free. And, you know, he starts laughing. He's like, well, I know what it's like to be a, a music, a musician that doesn't get paid for his work. So let's not do that. And, you know, me and Charlie had already discussed it before talking to Mick, like uh, Charlie was like, Hey, I'll, I'll go ahead and just uh, help you out with this. You know, I just want to get like a credit for it. Like, you know, I'm like, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So we already had the intentions of not, charging or not getting paid right we were just like whatever right um yeah so mick is like no like you know i gotta i gotta pay you guys something so i said well you can give me like a dollar for all i care like you know so if you want to do that like you can go from there in other words right and so he's like okay so how about how about this i'll give you guys a thousand bucks you guys can split it up and, and mind you like we we're only gonna do like an hour or two worth of work like it was not gonna yeah. be and so in my head i'm like dang like 500 bucks just for you know singing in a in a in a in a game that i'm wanting to be in like you know to me i was like dude i'm cool with that man you know what i mean uh same thing with charlie like i, I ran it by him, i was like yeah sure like that's 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 gonna be great you know <laughs> so and mick even said like if you want us to dip in more we can i'm like no no it's cool like i'm totally cool with that man i don't want to sound like a, a money hungry person like i'm just happy to yeah. be doing this yeah so yeah and so we agreed on that um and I remember stopping Mick from talking and I was saying like, you know what, Mick, like this is unbelievable. Like, I cannot believe this is going to happen to me. Like it's, it's like a dream come true. Like that I thought would never even be a possibility just because how, how often does this even happen to just a random Joe? You know what I mean? Like average Joe. And he was like, well, you know, like I, I, I really love the fact that fans can reach out and be a part of stuff like this because I was in their shoes at one point too. And I'm like, man, that's, that's great. So I was fired up. I was ready to just like, just go into the studio and just give it my all. And that's exactly what I did. We, we were scheduled for that set that week, that week, I think we had spoke, to, I'd spoke to Mick like on a Wednesday and we we're going to record on a Saturday. So uh, went into the yeah. studio uh, me and Charlie were, you know, uh, Mick would, would basically send uh, files and this and that, like all that, like sound engineering stuff that I know nothing about. Right. Uh, him and Charlie were talking about what they were going to be setting up. And I was there just like the voice for hire. And it was awesome, man, because uh, like I said, like I was ready to do this. I gave it like 150 percent and um, I was nailing it, man. Like I, I wasn't struggling whatsoever. It had been like so many years before that I hadn't sang before. and um, but I still had it. Like I was just like, no nah, man, I'm not going to mess this up whatsoever. And uh, yeah, we, we ended up knocking it out, uh, sent what we had finished to Mick. And right away he was like, man, can I Skype you guys really quick? Comes back to us. And then he's just like, man, you guys like went above and beyond. Like I really didn't think you guys were going to do this so well. 
And so it was hyping us up like, damn, this is badass. Yeah. And so he was like, dude, like, if you guys want to add something, like, go ahead. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll write around it. Like, um, so yeah, Charlie, you know, he's, who had a lot of good ideas on what we could do as far as like, almost like a breakdown for the song. And, uh, we, we went ahead and we did that vocally and, uh, yeah, Mick was all about it, man. And then, you know, he basically, once we were all done, like he was like, Hey, thank you guys so much. Uh, really appreciate you guys being here or, you know, taking the time to do this. I'm like, Hey, uh, you know, we're all thanking him. Like, thanks for having us be a part of this. This is like something we've never thought would even happen. And so we all basically said, you know, thank you and and our goodbye, right. For the time. And me and Charlie just had to stay quiet because we were under contract. And, uh, (laughs) that, uh, that was hard to do because I wanted to tell like everyone, and, I can't uh, imagine. Yeah, it's your legal obligation not to tell anyone, man, but it's the only thing you want to do. Yep. And for a month or so, I had to stay quiet. But even though, like, I was, I was still kind of like, hey, uh, I was the guy that they picked to to be the vocals, you know. And that's because I'd be at like tournaments talking to some of the other pro players that I play with. I'm like, hey, uh, I'm gonna be the new vocalist for one of the songs. They'd be like, they wouldn't even. They'd be like, you're so full of shit. I'm like, dude, I'm so tired, <laughs> man. I'm like, I'm not a bullshitter. <laughs> And uh, eventually uh, what happened was the, the song came out, the, the season, the trailer came out with the song and uh, yeah, uh, Mick went, went ahead and like gave me a shout out. And so everyone was like, what? Like, Oh my God, he was telling the truth. And, and this and that, man, it, it was great because around that time I was doing really well in the competitive scene also. So, you know, um, I was, I was known as one of the, like the, the top eight players because uh, you know, within the tournaments and stuff because. Anytime someone goes to a tournament, you want to make it into top eight. Uh, Cause that's like, Oh, I made it into top eight. Ooh. You know what I mean? It was always great to make it into top eight. And so I was taking like third places and stuff like that. Fourth places. Uh, I was just doing really well. And on top of that, people knew that, that I was a vocalist. And so people would be coming up to me like, Hey, you did the vocals for the shadow tigers layer. Right? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, Oh, that's so awesome, man. I'm like, yeah, dude. So it was a really great little like spurt of like a uh, little 15 minutes of fame, I guess you could say within the, the fighting game scene. And uh, like I said, man, the stars aligned, man, just because I was already into metal. I I loved this game as a kid. Uh, I was competing in this game as an adult. And now I'm in the game and I was doing really well as a top eight player. And uh, it it is so weird and random. Right. And what really worked in in the favor of Microsoft, because Microsoft's the one that owns the that owns the 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 series of Killer Instinct now because they bought out Rare. Uh, what really worked for Microsoft was a, a word was getting around that that people were saying like, man, like Microsoft handpicked one of the pro players to be in the band, excuse me, be in the soundtrack, and uh, that's so great that they're so community based. Which it wasn't technically; it just was a weird coincidence <laughs> that mm-hmm. I happened to be a pro player that was also a metal vocalist who happened to get the part that Mick was, you know, putting out there. So it was so weird and random, right? Again, um, stars align. Yeah, yeah, it was so nuts, man. I and I even asked uh, Mick if if I can get credited in the video game as Chris Thrash Heavy De Leon <laughs> because that's my gamer tag. And you can imagine that there'd be like a lot of Chris De Leons, right? But there's only one Chris Thrash Heavy De Leon. And uh, and sure enough, they went ahead and did me that solid, and, and they put my uh, my gamer tag within my my uh, my name as well. So. No one can take that away from me that they're like, I could be any Chris Leon. I'm like, no, it's me because that you can see my gamer tag. You won. Yeah. Can and- you um can you go into detail real quick? Um the moment you saw the trailer, 
and mm-hmm. you heard your vocals. I know you had to have been pinching yourself the entire time, telling yourself, this is real, this is real, this is happening. Describe that moment, seeing Man. it for the first time. Like, try to, try no, to yeah, like, no, encapsulate I, I, that moment. I, I can describe that perfectly because I've told this story a million times and it never gets old for me because I love telling people how ridiculous like it felt like this is literally a dream come true like i said you're talking about a kid if you were to go back in time tell me in fifth grade like hey when you're you know when you're older like in your 30s you're gonna be in this video game if you were to you know ghost of christmas past if they were to go and tell me that or something right i'm pretty sure my my brain would just explode like what like are you serious like what are you talking about right so the fact that all this came to be and it was so close to release, I was just like, please don't mess this up. Please don't break NBA like in any weird way to where they just completely erase me from memory. Like just, you know, just behave, like just make sure we get through this. Right. And um, and so, yeah, when the trailer came out, I was just like, oh, my God, we're going to hear it. And then, boom, like you just hear like the, the song kick in. And I'm just like, dude, that's me. Like, it's crazy. Like. And uh, yeah, and and what's really wild is that when I tell people this story, they're like, "Oh, that's cool." So you did a you, you did a vocals for a trailer. I was like, "No, I did vocals for a character that's in the game." So when you play that yeah. character stage, you hear me the entire time. So it's not like a one and done. Like, oh, I saw that trailer. I was like, no, if you play this game and you land on that stage, you're gonna hear me. Like, if you land on that stage like four times in a row, you're gonna hear me. You know what I mean? So it's a trip. Because, like I said, like since I compete in this game, I play this game a lot. And when it mm-hmm. lands on that stage, I'm like, oh, it's funny. That's me. You know what I mean? It's so weird. <laughs> it's home court <laughs> advantage now is what it's, it is. Oh, it's it's actually a disadvantage, man, because I, oh, I man. hate I hate playing my stage during oh, competition. And uh, just because it throws me off, I'm like, oh, that's me. I'm playing right now. It's me. Like, I don't <laughs> oh, think that. So Very so, meta. That's yeah, way too meta. Exactly. And uh, it's funny because there's this one pro player named uh, Menzo. He's a good friend of mine. He was one of the probably the only ones, the only one that knows that I hate playing on that stage. Mm-hmm. And so whenever we'd compete, he always picks that stage, always <laughs> at oh, tournament. And I'm just like, I, he's doing this intentionally because he he remembers. Like I remember he hates hearing this 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 stage. So I'm gonna use, and it's worked before. And you know it's 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 been a long time since this game's been out. I've gotten I've gotten over it to where I'm like, yeah, you pick that stage, I know you're gonna pick it, so fuck it, I'm still gonna you know try and rock you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it it was just a really great feeling, uh, very surreal. Now that it's been like like a long ass time, right? Like I know it's like okay, I'm not going anywhere. That's been there for so many years, right? Uh, and I remember that same day that the trailer came out. Uh, as I was in bed, I was reading the comments like in the in the trailer. Some were great. Some were somewhere mean <laughs> oh yeah it's the internet man yeah, it's but gonna exactly be. with that being said like it, it didn't phase me like I, I everyone and their mother has had like you know people say bad stuff about them at one point in their life so i was kind of laughing uh it was nothing nothing was ever said to where it really like stung it was just like mm-hmm. oh that's hilarious like you know and they're like <laughs> saying stuff like this guy sounds like fucking cookie monster or some shit like you know just, just say, saying dumb shit really <laughs> And nothing to take offense about, really. And um, you know, every now and then, I'll 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 uh, I'll come across like uh, new videos that might have uh, like a review. Like I remember recently, there was a review on that particular song. Uh, 
and it just I think it was like a year ago that he reviewed it. And so it was cool to see people are still kind of like actively uh, making content about the soundtrack of the game and this and that. Um, and another cool thing, recently I got interviewed to to say this exact story, basically, uh, for an upcoming documentary on the Killer Instinct soundtrack. Um, it's this one fellow, his name's Esteban. He actually did a, a, a documentary recently on Killer Instinct as a, as a game itself. Like there's so much to talk about, about this game that he basically yeah. discovered uh, how the game came about, how it started, where it's at right now and this and that. And like I said, the, the soundtrack itself is so iconic that he wanted to do a completely different documentary that just focused on the music itself. So it was great for him to, to reach out in terms of like telling my story. Cause like I said, it, it's just like an average Joe, Joe type of a dream come true story. And so he got my part of the, the story on, on my particular track that I worked with, on, with Mick Gordon. And so I thought that was very neat that uh, he's going to be covering like everything about this soundtrack, including my little story, like on how, how essentially a, a nobody became uh somebody within the the soundtrack so uh, it's wild really cool man and that was yeah that was not the uh the last time i got to work with mick actually uh, before you transition into that just to give the listener a sense of how like incredible mick gordon is and just like the music he creates for killer instinct in particular the sound and music in it is dynamic it changes with the ebb and flow of the fight so if someone is beating ass on another character the song gets hyped up with the combos and whatever it is that you're doing and he's done that with every single music uh you know anything that he's had his hands into he has made it an experience to play because some games like they just have dynamic music you walk in through it kicks in and it's just like oh flute starts to play whatever Mick Gordon, he takes it on to another level. And especially with the next game we're going to talk about, it is an experience. And if you've played Doom or Doom Eternal, you know that it is insane when you get into like, I don't know how to explain it. You are just in the zone when you're playing that game, like just jumping around, shooting and shit. It is wild. So that's that's the second experience. Please go into detail. All right, man. And it. So going back on how me and Charlie and Mick were saying our goodbyes, like during the recording session, I literally said to Mick, I was like, Hey Mick, uh, if you ever need me or Charlie again, please reach out. Like I, I would love to do this again, whether it's for like another killer instinct character, like uh, just, I'm always down, man. Like if you need someone that'll drop whatever they needed, you know, that whatever they're doing to, to do something for a video game, please reach out. Like I'll, I'll, <laughs> If I had, you know, if I was, if I were to ever have like a child or something, and if I, my, if my, my significant other or whatever was giving birth, I'd be like, yo, I gotta go because Mick Gordon needs me. You know what I mean? <laughs> that that's the intensity and like how much like I yes. definitely want to do this, right? So anyway, with that being said, um, yeah, uh, this happened. This was actually two years ago that I that I had this particular opportunity. So check this out. Uh, so I'm just chilling and I get uh, a message from Mick and it's just like, Hey, Chris, uh, send me an email when you can. And I'm like, Oh shit. Like what the hell? You know, here we go. We round been, two, round two. Yeah. We, we didn't necessarily like keep in touch on a daily basis or anything like that, but we still would like have like some sort of communication very, very, very rarely, but we did. Right. Like, um, and anyway, 
so I saw that and I emailed him like, Hey Mick, what's going on? Like, uh, you know, it's plain and simple. Like what's going on? Like, I'm like, I'm chums with him. Like, yo, what's up, bro. You know what I mean? Like first name uh, basis. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, what's up, Mick? What's going on, man? You know, stuff like that. Right. Uh, so he's just like, Hey, um, I wanted to ask, like, what are the, what are the metal scenes like there in Texas? And I'm thinking like, what, like, what, you know, I'm trying to think like before, like answering that, I'm thinking like right away, like my, my mind's, you know, racing, like, uh, really quick like i wonder what he's doing is he gonna play a show or something and is that why he's messaging me maybe he wants to do like a live show of like his uh of his uh you know tracks that he's done or something maybe he's doing like a tour and wants to play like a fest in texas or something i don't know right i was just thinking whatever right uh and i'm like well like in terms of what like what do you what are you trying to do or what and he's like okay he's like so check it out i'm working on the new doom sequel doom eternal and I have this idea. I don't know if it's going to work. He's like, but I wanted your opinion on it just because of like location. Uh, so what I want to do is I want to get a choir, not like an angelic choir, but a death metal like choir where I'll have like a choir of metal vocalists and we're going to make some like really like hellish choir type music. And I'm just like, holy shit, that sounds awesome, right? Like, I'm like, man, that's nuts. Uh, I, I'm already thinking of the possibilities that this man is going to, like, have, you know, with, with what he wants to do, is his, uh, his vision of how he wants this. So I'm like, okay. Um, so, like, you want, like, uh, I still wasn't sure exactly what it was that he, he wanted Texas, like, in particular, right? So I was like, well, what do you plan on doing exactly? He's like, okay. It was like, well, I'm having, I'm having a decision, I guess, like, in your opinion, san antonio or austin which one of those has the better uh metal scene and i'm like well i've been to shows plenty of times to both of those and it seems like both of those places have the same amount of people that come out so i was like well i mean texas is pretty big and like each one of those cities like always draws in a lot of crowds like so i guess either one would be fine um and he's like yeah because i'm having a, a hard time deciding on what location i'd want to do and um so I was like, okay, so like in terms of, uh, I guess like, like recording studio, maybe he's like, yeah, I guess that would be like a good place, like a good question to throw out too, like who has the better recording studios or, or whatever. Right. So that's when I got in, uh, I got, I was like, let me ask Charlie. So I hit up Charlie. I'm like, Hey, Charlie, uh, Mick's asking me again, like about, um, uh, you know, music and stuff. This time he wants to know who has like the better, like sound stages, I guess, like between Austin and San Antonio. And he's like, oh, definitely Austin. And I think like he was, uh, Charlie mentioned like some uh, studio in particular or sound stages. And so I get back to Mick. I was like, so Charlie's saying that that Austin would probably be a, a better go-to place for this if you want to have people meet up for, for uh, you know, this recording. I didn't know how Mick was going to do it, like as far as picking out people, right? And he's like, okay, awesome. He's like, I'm not too sure if I'm going to even go through this, uh, but I mean, that's the idea right now. And so right away, I was like, hey, uh, well, if you do, please let me know, man, because I would love <laughs> to be a part of this. Like, you have no idea <laughs> like how great this would be. And he's like, absolutely. Well, well, I'll go ahead and keep in touch. I'm like, all right. So uh, that was that. Uh, I didn't think much of it. And then I think like a couple weeks after that, uh, since since Mick is from Australia, right, like they have a different time zone and all that, right? So yeah. uh, I wake up one morning and I, I have all these people tagging me like at three in the morning to uh, one of his posts. And so I go to it. And essentially what it was, it was a, uh, it was basically like a, a little, uh, 
kind of like a, a submission, uh, you know, submit your work to, to me type of trailer where he was discussing, like basically saying like, like, you know, how would you guys like to be a part of the Doom Eternal soundtrack? And he was basically saying like, you know, number one, you got to be 18 years older uh, and then you must also find your way to Austin, Texas. You know, this is where it's going to take place. He's like, so submit your work so I can go over it uh, and you will get paid for this job as well. So uh, good luck to everyone wanting to, to do this. And he gave it kind of like, a, I think like a month's worth of like submission. Like, I'm not too sure exactly how long it was. It was open. But um, he ended up closing it early because of how many people like had submitted their work. He's like, all right, this got way more people than I thought I was going to get. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so um, when I saw that, like automatically, like I, I still submitted the way anyone else would write. But I was like, hey, Meg, it's Chris. Like, it's me, Chris DeLeon. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I really want to be in this. Uh, you know, before. And, yeah, exactly. And so, you know, he, he had also asked everybody to send, a, you know, a link to some previous work. So, <laughs> so I just sent him my my. Uh, my uh, link to the, the killer instinct soundtrack that we did <laughs> and i was like here you go you know you know how i could do this and so he messaged right away he's like oh absolutely man you're in don't worry about it i'm like yes like i'm freaking in like whoo you know what i mean like i was just like hell yeah um so uh so yeah like i i was pretty uh pretty happy like knowing like all right man i'm already in like i don't have to worry about it right and so from there i'm telling charlie i'm tar- you know charlie bella again like, I was like dude i got the part to be in doom uh, and I told him, I was like, dude, you should totally try and like message Mick and see if he needs like any help, like with, you know, the sounds and all that stuff. He's like, you know what? Yeah, it's awesome. Let me do that. So Charlie got in touch with, uh, with Mick. And unfortunately, Mick got back to him saying that he already had a, a team to, to, you know, to, to, to work with him out there. So Charlie was kind of like, oh man, he's like, I didn't get the part, man, but congrats anyway. I'm like, man, that sucks. Right. So, so Charlie at the time didn't get the part. Um, and so, when all this was, was, uh, I guess like when he closed off the, the cutoff point for the submissions or whatever, I guess, cause he got everybody that he needed. Uh, it just so happened that he was going to move the, the date. Like he, he was going to move it a little later than expected. And I think it like happened, uh, on uh, South by Southwest. Is that what it is? Right. In Austin. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. So he moved it during that week of South by Southwest. And this is like another stars aligned moment, not so much for me, but for Charlie. What happened was he moved it and all those people that were originally planned to work with him couldn't do it because they had already had plans to work elsewhere during South by Southwest. So now Mick is like, well, I don't have anybody. You know what? Let me hit up Charlie. Boom. Charlie got the part, man. So Charlie (laughs) and I, for a second time in a row, got to work with Mick Gordon again at the same time. So I was like, dude, what the hell, man? That's freaking awesome. So me and Charlie were all ecstatic about it, right? We're freaking pumped about it. Um, And yeah, it came down to um, having to go to Austin, which isn't a big deal. We've all been to Austin, right? Driven out there. Uh, So whenever we get there, um, I I remember, oh man, this is kind of funny. Uh, So I woke up the the following day to, to go to the stu- the sound stage right and i remember i my stomach was killing me man and i'm like oh my god like i oh, i know yeah i was already getting like the bowl guts i'm like oh right so whatever like i got over it a bit and i, I went to uh the, the sound studio and there i am man I'm, I'm meeting everyone right and uh i i didn't recognize anyone i thought okay honestly i thought everyone was just gonna be like average joe status right Apparently mm. not, because as I'm there, uh, Tony Campos, he's a bass player for Static X. He shows up, and I remember thinking, I'm like, 
is that the dude from Static X? Mm-hmm. And uh, sure enough, it was him because this one, this one fellow that I met there that was one of the vocalists, his name's Aaron. Uh, he, this is another crazy thing. So, so this dude, Aaron, I, I believe he lived in, he, he's from, he lives in California, I believe. And him and I hit it off really well. We were talking, he was asking where I was from. I'm like, oh, I'm from Rio Grande Valley. He's like, dude, I was, I was, uh, I was, I was born in McAllen and I was raised in McAllen. Like, no shit. So oh, it was shit. cool to have like a, another Valley Jeez. person there. Right. And anyway, so as I'm there hanging out with Aaron, uh, he's like, dude, that's, that's Tony from Static X. I'm like, what the hell? That's pretty hilarious. Right. Uh, so I went and I took a picture with him, right? And I told Tony, I was like, dude, you're not going to remember this. But when I was uh, younger in high school, uh, you guys played a show in my home area, McAllen, Texas. And before y'all played, you were asking people like, hey, is there any food around here that y'all can take me to? I was like, sure. So I took you to Taqueria El Zarape. And he starts <laughs> laughing. He's like, yeah, I'm not going to remember that. Like, yeah, I know, man. But it was memory for me. So that was that, right? And what's funny, uh, I was talking to this other fellow. He, he was... Uh, he was from another country. Right. And, and we're talking. And I remember I was telling him uh, about Whataburger because like, I've never eaten there. I was like, dude, you need to. You're in Texas. You have to go to Whataburger. Like, go after this. It's a staple. Like, yeah, you have to. to. So this whole time, I'm just chit chatting with this dude. Right. And uh, eventually someone asked everybody, like, are you guys like y'all have bands and stuff? And like that dude I was talking to, his name's Sven. Uh, he was like, uh, yeah, uh, I play in a band called Aborted. And I was like, oh, what? I was like, what? I was like, aborted, like the aborted, like death metal aborted that's been around for like a long time. It's like, yeah, I'm like, dude, what the hell, man? Like, like, I love your band. And I had no idea that I was talking to you about Whataburger. And this whole time, like, I'm, <laughs> that's such a trip, man. Um, and uh, so, yeah, like, it, it was really funny. It was cool to see, like, different people from different places be under the same roof. And uh, yeah, man, we Mick, Mick showed up and everyone was like, you know, clapping and said like, oh, it's Mick, you know. So I got to meet Mick in person for the first time, uh, you know, the, the the first time I did Killer Instinct, this was all through just like uh, through Skype and, and emails. Right. So it was cool to meet Mick in person. Really cool dude, man. Like that dude still hasn't broken his his persona or anything like that. Like I've never had a problem with him at all. Really cool, chill dude. And yeah, he basically was just telling everybody, hey, thank you guys so much for being here um let's go ahead and pretty much rock and roll man so it was 24 total uh, of us 12 guys 12 girls and the way he had it set up he he had it like in a in a uh kind of like a line like the, i guess the way any choir would be he set us all up from from male to female and uh yeah like we basically were there for like a total of eight hours uh but we get breaks in between and and, and what's really funny is that the the words that we were singing were all made up so it was like i got to do that <laughs> killer instinct now i'm doing it for doom eternal so i felt like super lucky to where i was like man i'm just singing a bunch of gibberish loving it and being in some of my favorite games of all time right and, so and, and yeah and and to, and to tap back into being one of my favorite games like yeah as a kid like i would play doom all the time like whether it was on pc like while i was in junior high like at the computer classes uh, oh man like yeah. kids would have the usb stick and then yeah, like <laughs> usb stick no man i'm talking about floppy disks like i'm old oh man. shit <laughs> so so it was funny because one of my one of my friends at the time his dad was a computer teacher and so during lunch we'd all go in there uh me and like our you know our usual like three friends and you know we'd be popping in our floppy disk and i'd be there playing doom and uh you know and then eventually they'd get a, a super nintendo port so i'd be like playing it during like thanksgiving break and stuff right so yeah, it was it was a game that I loved, and now I'm being a part of the soundtrack. 
it's like Mick, this this angel of composery, like just like here, I'm gonna grant you two wishes. What do you want to be? And I'm like, I want to be in Killer Instinct and Doom. He's like, you got it. You know, that's what it felt like. And uh, yeah, it, it was very strenuous though because it was a long amount of work as opposed to when I did yeah. Killer Instinct. And uh, they the the dude, everyone from uh, Bethesda that was there, like they treated us uh, very well. Like everyone was everyone was cool, man. Like everyone was super cool didn't meet a prick or anything like that at all there uh they had a bunch of like water for us they had like teas and stuff like that i'm not a fan of drinking teas uh when it comes to like singing i'm just all pure room temperature water um but yeah throughout the time that we're singing everyone's just like man i'm getting gassed out i'm like yeah so am i uh so towards the end of it man i was really feeling it almost to a point where i was like you know what i can't even sing anymore i'm like dead and i wasn't the only one right um but yeah it, it was it was great man like uh it was definitely a unique sound i had never seen anything like that before and being a part of that was just freaking mind-blowing man and it goes back to when you guys asked me how i felt about seeing the trailer it was it was the exact same feeling just round two um we we all kept in touch like even to this day we still have our uh, our little like doom choir like uh messenger chat thing <laughs> And every now and then one of us will pop up and say something. And, you know, just like the other day, we were, we were talking about how uh, it's been two years since we did that. So, uh, but yeah, like when, when the soundtrack or excuse me, when the trailer came out, when you heard us in the background, I'm like, dude, that's sick. You know, it, it was, it was yeah. awesome, man. And yeah, like this, this all started because I went ahead and I submitted work thinking that I wasn't going to get a part. And uh, I've definitely changed. I have a different outlook on, on uh submitting anything when it comes to anything everything yeah. uh you know anytime there's an opportunity to uh to try to be a part of something whether i get it or not i just take it now like uh just because you never know and um yeah man that's pretty much my advice to everyone else man like you even though we're from the valley nothing technically happens a lot does happen we just don't hear about it all the time like there's a lot of great things that happen down here to a lot of great people and so with that being said, I always just try to like push like, man, like don't don't have it in your head thinking like you can't do something because, uh, like I said, I've, I've been through a lot of lucky scenarios, but in the end, it's not so much luck. It's 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 true deserving skills, I guess you could say. Right. Like and it, it all just came down to me trying to like push it out there as opposed to like thinking, eh, I, I probably won't get it. It's like, no, like, if I don't get it, it's because I didn't try. Um, and, then, you know, and, and sometimes I won't get it even if I do try, right? But the point is that you, you always got to try just to kind of, like, get it out there that you can do it and that you do have the confidence in doing it, so. Yeah, yeah. the worst thing that could happen is that you don't get it. The best right. thing is you end up in doom and KI. <laughs> like, that's exactly. the trade-off. Take and that 100% every time. And they went ahead and did me that solid again where they put Chris Thrash Heavy Deleon. So I got you know, <laughs> twice that I got to put my gamer tag in there. So the, These opportunities, they're not based off of geography. I, I love that you mentioned it, yeah. it's the skills that, that you have. Just right. because we are, you know, separated from, like, I don't know, mainstream Texas, if you want to call it that. It has nothing to do with someone being motivated to just go out and seek the opportunities. They're there. Like they're right. actually out there. Yeah. And, and that's the beauty of it. Like, like I said, I've, I've gained a whole different level of confidence when it comes to, uh, 
to try it out for things. And, and to me, I've, I've, I'm not a, I'm not a selfish person when it comes to uh, spreading the love, you know, in terms of like, like, I'm not going to tell you how I got this. I know, dude, like it's plain and simple. I just did it. So you guys got to do it. Like, just do it. Like, who cares? Like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, just because we're from the Valley doesn't mean we, we don't offer anything great. Like, cause like I said, there, there's so much, I've, I've come across so many different people that do so many different things down here. And it's like, man, like, let's let us be known, man. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Push so, it out there. Yeah, absolutely. Damn. There is a lot to unpack. Chris, uh, I think you're going to be our first guest where we have two parts. So listeners, this is where we end part one of uh, episode four of the local lingual podcast. Uh, make sure to check us out uh, April 9th for part two with uh, Chris Thrash Heavy De Leon. Once again, thank you so much for listening in. Uh, word of mouth is the best way to spread the word to our podcast. Again, we are local, so we want to spread the word through that as much as possible and thank you for doing so already and uh if you could we would appreciate it if you could rate us on apple podcasts you know whatever rating you'd like to give be genuine no, no there you go right again answer. there you go there you go there you go there you go <laughs> no, no, no. fives only because if you're gonna leave four <laughs> why why do that round up five fives only fives only and again thank you so much for tuning in look forward to the next part of episode four april 9th We'll see you then. We out of here.